All right. Well, I'm I'm probably going to go through it a little bit differently. I think uh, probably take a, a more condensed rather than a go through the full disc- discography. Kind of emphasize some of the, the the themes and main points of contention. So there's a there's definitely something that um, you know I have three kids, and so if there's something that I could absolutely be accused of doing is brainwashing my kids when it comes to <laughs> music and Alice in Chains, and um, I'll own that. So from the the very first, uh, as they were very first uh, born and young, we've always had discussions. That's kind of uh, at the at the epicenter of it all has been Alice in Chains, and everything sort of spiders off of it from there. Um, and to kind of go with what Matt says um, about Pearl Jam being his last favorite band, Alice in Chains was really my first favorite band because I was kind of you know, not necessarily into much of the of anything growing up in the 80s. I mean, there were songs that I liked, but not necessarily albums or, or bands. Uh, one, you know, early band that I liked out of the – that I remember distinctly well, was Living Color, The Cult of Personality. Sure. That song and yeah. that guitar solo just blew my mind, but it was heavy and it was dark and it was crunchy guitar. And um, – that was kind of my suited my taste. So then when um, Alice in Chains kind of started to come out, I remember distinctly where where I was and and how it was that I heard Alice in Chains for the uh, first time. And as soon as I heard it, I knew that I instantly liked it. And not only did I like the music, but I also, in watching the video, even before the the vocals started. It was tattooed onto my mind that Alice in Chains is the coolest looking band out there, like <laughs> ever. Then um, there's just no if ands, or buts about it. So then when Lane Staley started to sing and started to just melt my face off and the guitar and the rhythm and just everything about it, it just resonated with me um, from the start. So I was hooked. So they were the first, my first favorite band and have what? remained so and have, you know since Alice in Chains kind of being the what grounds my musical taste I will sort of venture out uh sort of from home base there uh spidering off different side projects that well, musicians let, have been let, in I've followed Alice in Chains around let me stop you real quick though uh what was the the video that you first saw the very first video that I saw was wood that's what I thought <laughs> from you saying Wood, that they man. were the coolest looking band. <laughs> Holy shit. You, you know what I'm talking about, too. It's yeah, just, the wraparound sunglasses and, yeah, yeah, the slick back hair. Yeah. Yeah, and I had heard songs. You know, I'd heard We Die Young and Man in the Box um, from Facelift, and I totally dug them. But, you know, I it didn't really lock in. It, it, but I when it that. really locked in I got was that album, the first album. uh from uh, Columbia House, I believe. So, oh yeah, well, I had that, got I had it. That thing ne- never the... paid for it. <laughs> I, I I I got it pretty soon after it came out. I saw We Die Young on Headbangers Ball. I was like, okay, I'm, I need this yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, go ahead. Facelift and... was my soundtrack for a summer for sure. Yeah. So from once I really sort of decided to dive in, I mean, I was locked in and. You know, looked into and, you know, I bought all their records and just really listened to them constantly. And one of the things that I really, really liked about Alice in Chains is that not only could they bring the the heavy guitar, and that's something that I really, really like about Jerry Cantrell's style, is that he can play – they can go and play a heavy metal show, and then they can also play an acoustic set, just stripped yes. down and have a yep. much broader appeal. Yep. In fact, I would say uh, Sap is my favorite, Allison James. And that's one thing that I was just going to mention is that, you, you know, because they have a collaboration there with Ann Wilson and Mark Arm, they, yeah, Chris Sap Cornell in that album. And it's super funny at the end of the song. I mean, it's named Sap after a dream that uh, Sean Kinney had that they recorded some 
acoustic EP, and they decided they didn't want to mess with Fate, so they were going to go and record one. But it wasn't their intention to necessarily <laughs> do a stripped-down acoustic one. And it's uh, the it's very so last good. song on it is just them making a bunch of racket, but it's that's sort of Sean Kinney and his sense of humor, just making all kinds of noise and the funny vocals and beating around on stuff. I'm sorry. They switched instruments. They all they all played an instrument that they didn't normally play. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that's another thing about Alice in Chains is that they have a sense of humor. And they've always tried to do some silly stuff. If you look at, you know, not to jump ahead too far, but when they put out the Nona tapes associated with the self-titled or Tripod album with Jerry Cantrell dressed up as a female journalist named Nona interviewing the band members, it's it's hilarious. And Have you ever watched the uh, the video of them at the uh, the water park in New Jersey? Yeah, at Headbangers Ball <laughs> in their Speedos. Yeah, that's great stuff. <laughs> no, so so get this, get this. My 15-year-old night, uh, just the other night, he was telling me how he was watching that again. So, <laughs> so they follow. We've stuff. all watched it. So for Alice yeah, and Chains, I've always re- – I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to echo the fact that those guys definitely had a sense of humor, and they were pretty freaking hilarious. Well, and I saw an interview with Ricky Rackman who said that one of his favorite bands to even have on Headbangers Ball was Alice in Chains because they got it. Yeah, yeah. And and I would agree. I think it's 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 cool that they can write serious and, you know, sort of heavy themed music, but then can also be really lighthearted in their personalities and, you know, have fun with some of the stuff and and I've always really liked that, but um, but going into some of the acoustic stuff, I mean, if you take Sap and you take Jar of Flies, I mean, if you yeah. were, and I'll speak from my own experience, when I would go on high school dates, I would invariably play Sap or Jar of Flies. Good call. Right? <laughs> it's yeah, kind of yeah. like the, uh, was it side two of Led Zeppelin two for our generation? Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, Sap echoed my inner state of mind perfectly at the time. I listened to that thing so much; it's crazy. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's fantastic. Well, and so they, you know, usually whenever anybody asks me what my favorite band is, and I tell them Alice in Chains, they always try to they want to get a sense of who they are, and I always tell them start out with these, and and it's usually songs from Jarflies or Sap to be able to kind of introduce them to a more subtle and softer side rather than yeah. go in and just beat them in the face with the, the heavy stuff. And their MTV Unplugged is amazing. Well, see, that's the thing, Andy. You and I have had some discussions about that, um, comparing and contrasting the, the Unplugged. I mean, they were – it was really I was, cool. I was I trolling very, you, though. I know. <laughs> But I've had a I have a super um, soft spot in my heart for that uh, Alice in Chains Unplugged because that came out while I was on my Mormon mission, and I remember we were walking through the Walmart near our apartment, and I had this this dumbass companion with me, and I saw I walked by the CD that it had come out, and so I'm like, oh, I'm buying this, and he gave me this judgmental, <laughs> uh, scornful look the, about what I was doing. I said, I'm just gonna send it home. And I kept it, and I listened to it all the time. I would sit out on our porch, daydreaming, staring off into space about how miserable I was, and listen to the Alice in Chains Unplugged and imagine <laughs> that I was there. <laughs> okay, so, you, you, mentioned, you mentioned mission, so I have to ask a quick yes or no answer question. Have both of you seen Orgasmo? I haven't. I, I've seen Brown? bits and pieces. Not. I've seen bits and pieces. Okay. It, it, well, just... It's it, to me it, it like <laughs> it doesn't seem like a very funny uh premise to me to be honest with yeah. you. Okay. Maybe it's right. maybe back it's to the very Allison well Chains, executed, then. but back to the Alison Chains. Then. Like for example, yeah, so... I I hated basketball, so maybe there's But no, it's just the fact stupid. that it's just the fact that that it's it's they're corrupting the Mormon and putting him in porn. Well, of it. if well, you can re- you know relate to that <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say Ryan was never exactly Peter Priesthood. 
Um, no. But yeah, but, you know, <laughs> neither how is this guy in How I ended up on a mission is its own miss. Yeah, so I used to place myself in the audience of the MTV Unplugged uh, concert, and I basically survived those two years listening to that over and over and over again. So yeah, I don't know how super, I don't know how you did it, even with the MTV Unplugged. So uh, no, me either, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, so especially because uh, you were in Houston, Texas. So no, no, I was in San Bernardino. Oh, that's right, that's right. It was uh, yeah, Devin that is was a, in Houston. That's a hellhole down there for sure. Music is the yeah. best escape. It's true. The funny thing is, is that there were I would always talk with other missionaries about music all the time, and always try to you know, talk about Alice in Chains, and they would always go back to Man in the Box about the vocal that says, uh, Jesus Christ, deny your deny maker. Deny your maker. Well, and I would always say, well, do you listen to the next line? He who tries will be wasted. And I, so I would try <laughs> and spin it all Mormon for him. <laughs> and so it actually kind of worked on some of the, the, the dipshits that were over out there. So, yeah, no, so, but... To you know, I kind of skipped past Dirt a little bit, but Dirt's a masterpiece. I mean, every fucking yeah, song on that definitely. thing, from top definitely. to bottom, start to finish, there's not a bad track on there. Yeah, I would agree. And um, it's really, really fascinating. Um, as I read the biography that this uh, journalist had put together, uh, you know, because he found research about how they recorded, how they did all of their music, and how they how Lane Staley recorded his vocals. Some of the some of the tricks that they pulled out, for example, on um, Angry Chair is pretty fascinating because it wasn't digital. It was all on tape. And so they had to stagger and layer all of these different vocals that he sang, sang on that to get that echoey reverb, reverb yeah. sound on Angry Chair. So it's pretty neat to kind of read about the the technical aspect of of making dirt. But from top to bottom, it's a it's a home run. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, Wood is, I would say, probably their best song. Um, I agree. Yeah, not a bad in, song on that album. Down in the hole is fantastic. Then Bones. That's the Rooster. that's the song I lost my virginity to. Down in the hole, very appropriate. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Although, um, were you were you looking at that as a pun? <laughs> it just it it just worked out that way, and so like as I heard the refrain, "Down in a hole," I'm like, okay, oh, I see how this oh, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Although we should say that relates if, uh, to my current situation here. If Pearl Jam uh, is responsible for uh, starting a thousand candle boxes, Alice in Chains has to be uh, held responsible for Godsmack. That's, oh yeah, yeah, Jesus! Those guys are. They started <laughs> out as an Alice in Chains tribute band. They're t- directly responsible. Yep. Oh, they suck. Oh, I can't yeah, stand boy, Godsmack. Do boy, do they! They're yeah, on the Nickelback level. Horrible! Horrible! Um, so, you know, when you get to, when you get to the tripod record, that's actually one of my favorite albums because it's kind of weird. It was kind of set to be Jerry Cantrell's solo album, but they kind of pulled all their shit together to be able to put it, you know, finish it off as Alice in Chains. But there are some really cool songs on there that are just sort of trippy and sort of out of what they had done with facelift and, and dirt. And one of my favorite songs there on that whole album is uh, Nothing Song, Nothing Song, because it's just about gibberish. The record label was putting pressure on them to get the record finished. And Lane Staley, of course, he was, you know, dealing with yeah. substance abuse yeah. and heroin and just really sick and ill. But um, he was kind of the last one to lay down the vocals. And so on the Nothing Song, he started just walking around the studio and kind of coming up with stupid shit in the studio to sing about so they're talking about there was a birthday cake that sat on a sat out on a table and so he added incorporated that into the lyrics of nothing song and so it's it's kind of funny that and he was just basically like these guys aren't going to fucking tell me what to do i'm going to take my time and i'm going to do it how i want to do it and so he he and he would he did take his time and he kind of in a way to try to passive aggressively prove his point would added those lyrics to nothing song. So knowing the backstory about that kind of lent itself to a new appreciation to it. 
But, um, you know, you listen to uh, – they kind of do some of that, that trippy-sounding stuff, some of the stoner rock, if you will, I guess. But um, they also have some radio hits on that. Um, yeah. That were really, really solid. Yeah, I'd say – and the three best songs uh, for me on that album were, were kind of the radio songs, like Grind and Heaven Beside You and Over Now. And I guess this kind of gets to – uh, the state that uh, Lane yep. Staley was in by that point that he didn't write a lick of any of those three songs. Well, there are two songs that Alice in Chains have never played live, as I understand it. And I think one of them is, um, oh gosh, it's on those albums. But there's one that, uh, Head Creeps? Mm-hmm. Uh, they've never played that one live, and that one Lane Staley gets some credit yeah. for. I think that was his. That was track. all him. That was all him. Music yeah. and lyrics. So they've never they've never played that live, and and then I think it's I think the other one is Nothing song that they've never played live, which is a lot of Lane Staley's contributions. Yeah. So you know, but he all of them were dealt with a lot of substance abuse, and I think you kind of see that start to play in they didn't weren't able to really tour they uh for that particular record and you know it was really i think the beginning of the end <laughs> should be noted though that that album uh did hit number one in the united it states it debuted at number one i bought it yeah. i went out to the music store at the boise mall when we were at boise state and bought it the day yep. it came out <laughs> there you go <laughs> <laughs> So, so um, there's a bit of an ironic thing that happened in uh, 96 uh, for the first couple of uh, KISS reunion shows. Uh, Stone Temple Pilots were supposed to be the opening act, but Wyland uh, went off the edge or went into rehab or something. For whatever reason, they couldn't do the shows because of Wyland uh, and his drug issues, so the replacement was Allison Chains. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> Didn't Gene? Didn't Gene Simmons just try to take a whole bunch of credit for warning both Scott Weiland and Lane Staley about their heroin use? <laughs> Who knows? I think he just. Uh, I think he just took some sort of credit for being some, um, you know, uh, mentor to them. Well, those years. it didn't work, obviously. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and so you know, then yeah, the after the tripod record, the self-titled record, is when they you know then they did the Alice and Chain or the Unplugged show, and watching that show is it's actually pretty uh, sad to be able to see how sick Lane Staley was. Uh, you know, he was it had been quite a long time since they'd even played a, a live show together. I think they pulled it together and made it respectable. Um, late Jerry Cantrell was suffering from food poisoning during that, that show. So, I mean, considering all the, the circumstances, I think it, it came off pretty good. And I have that emotional attachment to it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it's great. And it even, um, it's kind of enhanced in a weird way, um, by the fact that Lane Staley was quite obviously almost dead, um, just because the like obvious anguish when he's singing some of those songs, like it, that just makes it um, so much more impactful. Well, it is really he's an object lesson for not using drugs, you know. Yeah. Um, because it weakens his voice, it weakened his physical appearance. I mean, he was a shell of his former self. Especially if you watch those early live shows in '91 and '92. So I mean, it, it, it's not even a comparison. I saw Allison Chains on the Dirt tour, and Lane Staley had broken his leg and did the entire show in a wheelchair, and still had massive energy. Damn, that's awesome! It was an amazing show. It was in like a uh, about a eight hundred person club. It was, it was, it was really, nice. it was amazing. Oh, that's so that was awesome. on the Dirt tour, and it was still only an eight hundred person it, club. It was one of the first shows on the Dirt tour. They were doing some small places at first, and yeah, it was sold out and fucking sardine packed in there. It was it was pretty insane. Nice. I have a funny story. There's this there's this guy that I know who lived up in Moscow, Idaho, which is the, where the University of Idaho is, and it borders Pullman, Washington, where Washington State is. 
and apparently Lane Staley was in Moscow, and this guy was somehow with him, and this was right before Dirt came out. And uh, they decided that it was going to be a good idea to go and uh, um, shoplift from a gas station. And so he he went to a, a gas station in Moscow, Idaho with Lane Staley and shoplifted a bunch of convenience store food <laughs> so, <laughs> right before Dirt came out. <laughs> so I thought it was kind of funny. But, um, so after Lane's, you know, of course, after um, in 2002, Lane Staley passed away, right? And uh, the one thing that I... Absolutely admire about Allison Chains is that you know they're pretty tight tight knit and they adhere to their principles as a band. You know they they don't take themselves too seriously, but they also I think um, are not going to take a big shit all over their legacy. You know because they were asked if they would do that uh, rock star show and audition for um, a, uh, a lead singer on that reality television show. Oh, like they, told people to, they told them to fuck off. Yeah. Yeah, that's bonus points. Yeah, I mean, so that I think that's pretty pretty cool that they wouldn't do that. And it was at that time that Jerry Cantrell, you know, he put out uh, Boggy Depot with, after, in the late 90s and 98. And then he put out Degradation Trip. Um, Quick question. Are you enough of a music nerd to know who produced Degradation Trip? I'm, if I'm enough a nerd to know what. To know the who produced and and mixed uh, Degradation Trip. No, I don't think I'm that big of a nerd. <laughs> uh, it's a guy named Jeff Jeff Tomei, and that's who uh, produced my band's new album, and we've worked with him. All right, uh, four on. Or five times. nice. Hey, what that's do you know? Cool. Small world. Wow, so that's his cool. his best his best uh, Jerry Cantrell story about. Degradation Trip, as you know, that's a pretty long album once they did, you know, part one and two. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said to Jeff, he's like, I-, I want you to be producer, mixer. You're basically my, my right-hand man on this album. And and generally, you know, a producer has input on everything down to, you know, everything down to, you know, how the songs are arranged, er- you know, e- everything. So uh, Jerry says, I want you to be pr- producer, mixer, but... You can't touch any of my arrangements. <laughs> like, Jerry, all these songs are like six and seven minutes long, man. This is going to be a really yeah. long album. He's like, no, nah, that's fine. That's fine. That's cool. Well, at that time, during the degradation trip, you know, um, my wife and I, we, we went and saw Jerry Cantrell in, at the joint in Las Vegas. We saw him at the moor up in uh, Seattle. We went to nice. Oregon to see him. And... Anyways, he had he had an opening band that played for them that was called Comes with the Fall, and that was William Duvall's, their new lead singer's um, band at the time. That and dude's from my part of town, Atlanta. He's from Georgia, right? Say again. He's from Georgia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's from Atlanta. You know, now here's the thing: is that William Duvall is no slouch. You know, he's never attempted to sound like Lane Staley. He has his own style. He can play the shit out of the guitar. The band, his band comes with the fall. I mean, they rocked the place. They were an awesome opening band. And then they would towel off and they would come and play as Jerry's band for his set on oh, Degradation nice. Trip. I mean, That's so cool. they put in they put in overtime. Yeah, to say the least. And they and so they did that whole tour that way and and you know when Jerry Cantrell would play the degradation trip tracks and then he would play some of the Allison Chains tracks William Duvall would sing Lane Staley's uh, vocals and they they don't sound exactly the same but you it sounds familiar enough that he does a very respectable job and does a very honorable job to Lane's vocals for those early Allison Chains albums but he has yeah, I think his, he own, does a good his job. own style. It works for me. I haven't seen them live with him, but I mean, I've checked out some live stuff, and and he sounds good doing it. And and the songs I've heard off the last couple albums, I've I've enjoyed. Well, and he's 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 really a good guitar player, and so he adds a whole another dimension to their sound. Right. So you know, and Lane Lane played a little guitar at at points, didn't he? But it was pretty limited. He did play a little bit. 
not a whole lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know, like usually he, he, lead I think singers he, play at least a little. Usually, at least a little. But yeah, they want to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when they when they decided that they would reform after they they told the reality television show to go to hell, you know, they were it was after that tsunami in um, Asia in 2005, I believe. And uh, anyways, they kind of got together to make to do it for a fundraiser and they got a whole bunch of other musicians together. It was the first time that the band had got together and played Alice in Chains. But Phil Anselmo, Maynard, James Keenan played and sang for them. And that's kind of what got the juices going to kind of consider reforming and plugging ahead as Alice in Chains. And, you know, they were all still dealing with, you know, sobriety issues. And, you know, there were members of the band that weren't sober and, you know, still trying to grapple with all of that. But doing that kind of instigated and, and lit the fuse to be able to reform and kind of reevaluate Alice in Chains as a band. And because William Duvall had been playing with Jerry and he had gotten to know the other members of the band and it, you know, they kind of, it just seemed like a good fit and they recorded that Black Gives Way to Blue record, which has some really solid tracks on it. Um, yeah, that first single has that really cool riff. Yeah. Um, my younger brother and I, we went and saw them on that tour, and they opened the whole set with that with that track. And, I mean, nice. it, it's a good way to sort of announce that they're there. Yeah. And uh, But I just real quick, going on to the last record, which is the – Honestly, and is my favorite lyrical record that they've put out. Um, the it's the devil put dinosaurs here, and that song in and of itself is awesome. But in terms of the lyrical content, I really like that they're kind of trying to provoke people's thoughts on um, on mythologies, right? And uh, and really trying to kind of advance, you know, and call out bullshit when people are being taken advantage of and how easy it is to be for people to be taken advantage of and trying to have people, you know, how they get suckered into thinking and believing what they think. So it resonates pretty loudly with me. Um, and it's a good album, too. It's easy. It's easy to listen to. It is. It is. I no. think it's uh, absolutely symptomatic and characteristic of Alice in Chains' style. And, uh, you know, with Lane, with with Lane Staley not being there, obviously, I've been I can totally see that Allison Chains was Lane Staley. But, you know, Jerry Cantrell, they've always saying, you know, um, their lead vocals. Jerry writes most of the tunes. Um, I get it. Lane Staley is Allison Chains, but no, he's a chapter of Allison Chains. He, he, he was the voice, but but Cantrell is really the the heart and soul. I mean, he it's, is. It's like, yeah, he know, is. It's, yes, it's his thing, definitely. you know. I oh, don't yeah, think they is. would have made it without Lane Staley's presence as a front man, but I mean, it's it's Cantrell's thing. Yeah, it, uh, to put it in terms of like uh, almost famous, uh, Cantrell would be uh, more Billy Crudup, and uh, <laughs> Lane yeah. Staley would have been mm -hmm. Jason Lee, <laughs> if even that. Yeah, yeah, if even that. Yeah. Although he was a he was a great uh vocalist, but he was a charismatic frontman, which which yep. which you need to to really, you know, go well, over the he top. Was, and the thing is is that he was super like um shy, bashful. I mean, when he would record his his vocals, he would isolate himself in the booth and put up to where he couldn't see anybody so that he would be really really private. He was in some ways I think self-conscious self-conscious about the whole process and he would really well, that's how jim morrison time. was too yeah. yeah and lane lane's voice evolved you know that those the early pre-facelift demos he's got a lot of uh like the bad part of axel rose in his voice yeah and, he does. You know, he, he, when they were the he, glam he, band he worked through that you know because they started out early as a glam band don't 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 listen to queen of the rodeo you know <laughs> Oh man, that's but see that's kind of a funny track though. It's <laughs> it horrible it's, it's on the classic. one hand, but it's kind of funny on the other. Yeah, and they classic. they even they even got their start opening for glam bands. My daddy yeah. was a trucker. 
And then uh, they opened for like Megadeth and like Slayer and got like booed off the stage too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they were too they were too different for <laughs> hardcore metal. So I haven't listened to uh, I haven't listened to anything um, in full disclosure uh, from. Black gives way to blue, or the devil's foot dinosaur. Here, I haven't. Well, you should to check out Devil. Note. It's good. You should. Um, and I probably would, um, based on this. I mean, uh, I'll but... tell you what. One of the baddest ass tracks that they've put out um, since Dirt is a track off of the Devil Put Dinosaur series called Stone. The guitar riffs. I mean, it's just gonna punch you in the face. It's good shit, man. Uh, but it's so super I'm, heavy. I'm I'm looking on the Wikipedia here. Uh, and there's an entry under, uh, this is for Black Gives Way to Blue. Uh, there's an entry under uh, Loudness War, and it says, uh, Popdose.com reviewed the album as the newest victim of the heavy distortion and digital clipping practices known as the Loudness War that are present in many popular releases. Quote, this CD probably has hit new loudness thresholds in the volume wars. It is beyond jarring, and I found myself turning the car stereo down to half the usual volume <laughs> level just to listen at all. And then it shows a picture of the waveform. It's a brick. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's just <laughs> solid. And uh, here's all the, th- the, here's the thing loudest. with that. With, with, with loud rock music, it can work. And the people that really are mad about it are like, the kind of people that think like Bruce Springsteen is as rocking as you ever need <laughs> exactly. to Exactly. You know? Like so, Manny is too spicy. I definitely have an issue with, with that mastering and, and I definitely prefer it not to be mastered like that. But it doesn't it doesn't make it unlistenable. You can always turn it And yeah, you need to down. you need to turn it down some because it is gonna be really loud and hot and it's gonna be louder than an album from ten years ago, twenty years ago for sure. But I mean, it's not. It doesn't make the album unlistenable. You can't. Yeah. I mean, it's not that you can't enjoy it. You know. And that's like it's like when you send me uh, flack versions of the albums that you want me to review. They're always like because the quality is so high. I always have to turn it down, like way down. Yeah. Um, but like, it's even kind of nice that you have the option to make it really, really, really loud if you want to. Yeah, and I mean for loud, heavy guitar music that kind of mastering can work. Now that does that they can go too far with it. And I don't necessarily remember that Alice in Chains album sounding no. too too uh overdriven or anything like that. Well not like I don't think so either with some of the Metallica albums, you know? So here's my other question, uh, based on looking at the wiki for these two albums, is uh under genre it says uh on both of these albums, it says uh Doom Metal. Would you say that's accurate? Doom metal? No, it's not. No, no it's not okay. doom. It's, it's not, not like doom. dope smoker. Someone, someone done. Someone's joking. I think uh, some Mormon missionary modified that entry. <laughs> <laughs> it scared me. It's doom. No, yeah, they no. need. To, they're going to go talk to the bishop. So I, I, I'll, I I'll link, you, I'll link bit, you to uh, what what doom really is. And no, no, I, I've, 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 I've heard your good. idea of Doom, Andy, and uh, I quite enjoyed it, actually. Uh, no, no, had, Sleep uh, is not Doom. Sleep is not Doom. Yeah, I'll I you suppose some, you're right. Um, I'll no, send you, you some true you, Doom. You sent me one that was Doom, Doom Metal. Uh, what was what that was other it? one? Stoner. Uh, it was Stoner no. Doom. I don't remember no. what it, the name of it. There was no. some st- Stoner Doom Metal album that you sent me. Dope Smoker could be maybe considered slightly doom because it's so heavy and slow, but no, it's not. That's not true doom. Um, so, um, you guys might find this funny, but when the early, early days when they were trying to land on a name for the band, Sean Kenny tried to advance the name "fuck the band" um, as an option. <laughs> and so. That was also. Uh, that was also a possibility uh, for Kiss when they were coming up with names. Yeah, Gene nice. Simmons said, we should call the band Fuck. That will get us attention. <laughs> and that sort of led to, well, let's let's come up with an idea that's let's like... Let's tone it like down that, a little but, bit. Right, yeah. so Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So uh, I have, uh, I guess, two uh, personal stories relating to uh, Alice in Chains. And the first one... Um, Kind of a little bit like uh, 
yours, Ryan, with running into uh, people on your mission taking issue with the name, uh, with the line, uh, Jesus Christ, deny your maker. Um, it was also like I talked about last week where my parents found my NWA tape and broke it in half <laughs> in front of me. Um, my, my parents found, uh, uh, my copy of facelift. Um, uh, and so I got treated to my dad, um, reading the lyrics of bleed the freak out loud to me <laughs> before that album was uh, confiscated from me. Um, the other one is, is that, that the one about was... peeling the skin? No, that's about stabbing somebody. Oh, okay. okay. Bleed the freak. Um, the other is, uh, and this I probably would have been in like seventh grade or something. Um, and we used to always go to uh, Seattle for summer vacation uh, because that's where my mom's family was from. And we were at my cousin's house up there, and she was telling me that uh, this guy that uh, lived in their neighborhood had this band, um, and that they were starting to get kind of big up in Seattle. Um, and she told me the name, and I remembered it because was, it was just a very distinctive name, and it was Alice in Chains. Uh, <laughs> so that was kind of uh, like a little surprising when they uh then went on to hit it big they were i think they were one of the first yeah yeah they, they were yeah they were the first of the seattle bands to hit to start sure. getting some mainstream notoriety because because they were a metal band i mean yeah they weren't and soundgarden a, was kind of the same way but i think allison jane said a little yeah. bit more at that point yeah like uh, like Soundgarden was on like uh, Beavis and Butthead before Nirvana broke. I'm sure they were all on Beavis and Butthead at some point. Yeah, like I, I even remember uh, the uh, video for Outshined, um, Beavis and Butthead playing it, and uh, Beavis <laughs> being like, hm, "That's Jesus." Hm. <laughs> I do have one quick yeah. story. One, uh, helpful did. Tip the scales in Alice in Chains favor for you fellas, but uh, I had my when my boys were younger, we went to um, Alice in Chains and Jane's Addiction, and we were went right up to the front for Alice in Chains set, and they were little. And uh, anyways, we were right in front of Mike Inez, and and my boys, they're kind of misers, right? They're really bashful all the time. They love Alice in Chains, but they really don't. I mean, I I was trying to get them to like wave at the band because the the band members would look at them and you know kind of take a double take at them like these little boys there and uh, <laughs> Who are these anyways, little kids at our they, show? they mustered up the courage right up in the front to wave at mike inez and he was in the middle of a jam stopped playing and waved right at him you know nice. super cool to him that's awesome yeah it's allison chains man it's telling you you know after talking it through and really remembering how much uh uh, sap, you know, I mean, sap and and dirt and facelift. Really, all three of them. I spent a lot of time with those albums. And yeah, and, Pearl and, Jam, and Tri, was more... Tri Leg is really good too. Yeah, it is, but uh, I wasn't one that I like that I like became one with, you know, like yeah. those other three. And um, Pearl Jam was more just about kind of following the career of the Mother Love Bone guys, and I dug it for a while, and then just lost interest. So I'm I'm gonna have to give the nod to Alice in Chains. All right. Uh, so Matt, you've been, uh, pretty quiet through this whole thing and we know you're obviously voting Pearl Jam, but, um, do you have any oh, yeah. Alice in Chains <laughs> thoughts? Um, well, Alice in Chains has always been one of my favorite bands. Um, I think the first like live album I owned was the Unplugged, um, of anybody's live albums. I think, I think it was their Unplugged one. Um, I was thinking about what I would say about Alice in Chains today if I was asked, and um, I guess the story about um, where I was when I heard Lane died, I could still remember sitting at one of the computers in the public library that was down the street from where I lived at the time. I was a senior in high school, and I was checking my live journal. <laughs> And one of my friends had posted on his about Lane passing away. And that was when I started Googling around to find the news articles and everything. I could still remember that. Yeah. Um, I was 
I, I think that was probably I was one of the first celebrity deaths to have really upset me, um, and you know, just <laughs> mine yeah, was John Lennon. I'm old. <laughs> I'm old. Yeah, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, Kurt Cobain would have been mine. Probably yours too, right, Ryan? Oh yeah, Def- definitely yeah. Yeah. Of course, we're almost exactly the same age. So, um, I'm old. <laughs> I'm not Jacob's old not, though, so you're it's not all that good. Much older than us. You just remember lots of things from your early childhood. That's true. I do have a pretty early musical memory. Yeah, that's that's more the thing. You're not that much older than us. Um, yeah, I just. Yeah. I mean, I was probably from two years old on. But most of my memories are music related. Yeah, and you know how music can bring bring you like 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 Matt was talking about music can you know if he wants to be back in his college dorm room this is what he puts on and because yeah. I was so connected to songs at such an early age that I can listen to the B side of Flash Gordon football fight and remember <laughs> running around playing with balloons and rocking on my rocking horse at like two and a half three years old you know you got some. You have like a photographic early childhood memory. I don't remember like shit from back then. What I want to, what I want to feel that young, I put on Van Halen's 1984. <laughs> that's what my mom always played in the car, driving me go. back and forth to preschool. Yeah, there you go. I, re- I remember like preschool age kind of stuff, but not much before that. Um, but uh, what's your, uh, what are your final thoughts on Alice in Chains, right? Uh, well, my final thoughts with Alice in Chains is, um, I've kind of used it to, uh, I mean, it really is the soundtrack to my life from about the age of 14 on, you know, and, uh, I've heard somebody recently talk about that, you know, you kind of, because probably in those formative years and as you make emotional connections to the experiences that you have as an adolescent and your brain's developing and your body's developing that, a lot of that stuff becomes um, seared into kind of what you are and what you're about and who you are, and you make those close associations. And I would say that's absolutely proven to be the case. I really dig Pearl Jam. Um, Pearl Jam and those bands out of Seattle, they they really are very important and significant to me. Um, we I use it as a way to interact with my with my kids, and we have discussions about things that they're learning and going through. They really appreciate the music of all of those bands, and you know it's been an effective tool for us to um, to kind of have real discussions with them because when we talk about this, some of the stuff that they have to deal with and the pressures that they have to deal with down at the skate park, for example, right. um, you know we get to use some of the people that they um, appreciate artistically and you know and relate to them kind of how they start the the Allison Chains Lane Stanley for example started out um you know with his substance abuse a certain way didn't intend for it to get out of hand used it to self medicate and it just escalated and he you know he tried to kick it over and over and over again so i appreciate on the other hand while it's definitely um a significant influence on me early on in my life i to be able to kind of use some of the bad things that happened to the band uh, to kind of illustrate choices and things like that to my kids. I've appreciated that having that as a tool. So, I mean, Alice in Chains for me, it's uh, it covers the entire spectrum of my softer, more acoustic sort of uh, preferences to the heavy stuff, the slow, heavy, crunchy, thick guitar. So it does it. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. And that, that's awesome that you can, uh, pass that along to your kids as well um, and use that to relate to them. Um, I'm kind of uh, using music for those purposes as well. And I'm definitely indoctrinating my kids, although <laughs> none of them are, none of them are. I tried, but then my daughter turned kids. on my musical tastes and now she doesn't <laughs> like anything that I like. But when she was two, she loved the Beatles and Ween and. <laughs> oh, my, my kids love the Beatles and Bob Dylan. So. I'm doing something. She's right. kind of over it now. She, she, she's, yeah. I haven't tried Radiohead on him just yet. <laughs> um, although we, we, we should be clear, Ryan, uh, because you mentioned uh, your Mormon mission. Uh, we should be clear that 
you do no, no longer consider yourself a Mormon, right? No, yes, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Nor do I. Um, although I didn't even go on a mission, so. Um, I won't tell Joseph Smith. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll be fine. Um, yeah. I don't think I don't think uh, there's a, a Joseph Smith out there worrying about it. So, um, <laughs> I guess uh, one thought that I had um, while we were talking about this is like it really is extremely sad um, what happened to Lane Staley because what, what year was it again that he died? Two thousand two. Two thousand two. Yep. So that was like seven years after they had kind of like for the most part left the public eye and yeah, i he guess spent that seven years in a hotel room wasting away yeah he was doing heroin and playing video games that's what he did and apparently they didn't find him for three days which yeah. is mm-hmm. i mean he was really... melting from the inside out his teeth were falling out he was vomiting yeah. and diarrhea i mean it's brutal way to go yeah that's like, as sad as it was that Kurt Cobain blew his brains out, um, that's even sadder, I think. Yeah. Because nobody, nobody was, like, even his friend by that point. Like, he was so alone that they didn't even find his body for three days. Um, I mean, I'm sure they, they couldn't be his friend, you know? I mean, I'm sure there's people that really wanted to try and be his friend, and I'm sure he fucking did everything he had to to push them away. I'm sure. Yep, I'm sure that is unfortunately a sad side Well, that's side the crazy thing is what made, like, like, say, his art so good is also what made him sort of have those depressive, isolatory, seclusionary sort of tendencies as well, right? I mean, he's yeah. Just, yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, for sure. a bitch of it. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, uh, and I... I'm not really surprised. I, I didn't think I was really going to be swayed by anything that anybody said here. Cause as you said, Ryan, like, uh, at the music that you listen to in your adolescence, uh, kind of sets your taste in many ways. And Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains were both hugely formative bands for me. Um, that was right in like our wheelhouse, um, from yeah. when we were coming of age. So, uh, my opinions on them are pretty set, which is, I really like both of them, um, and I would prefer Acoustic Alice in Chains to Pearl Jam, but overall I, w- I would slightly put Pearl Jam ahead, but only slightly. Um, I love both of them. Um, and we're uh, we are over the two-hour mark at this point. It's going to be another two-parter. <laughs> I am going to, it is going to be a two-parter. Um, and uh, uh, Ryan... Uh, thanks for coming on, and uh, if we ever get around to Tool, we'll make sure <laughs> yeah. to have you back on. Oh, yeah, we got to do Tool at some point, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I love Tool. For sure. Yeah. Well, thanks for yeah. inviting me, fellas. Thanks for uh, reaching out. Yeah, of course. Of course. Of course. As soon as we uh, decided to do uh, Alice in Chains at any point, I was like, well, I've got to have my cousin Ryan on. Um, and uh, Matt, thank you for coming on. Um are there are there other bands you like about as much as Pearl Jam? Oh boy. <laughs> or anywhere close um, to it? <laughs> can we do a Secret Tom Machines Petty? episode? What's that? Se- Secret Machines episode? Or Explosions in the Sky maybe? <laughs> yeah, maybe someone like that. <laughs> or any female-fronted synth pop, I can try that. <laughs> want to do a Churches episode? I, I could do a church's episode. I don't know. About that. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll just have you on, and we'll we'll just talk about a few bands. We could do something like that. And I'll just sure. I'll just provide the comic relief because <laughs> <laughs> you were definitely an excellent guest, and uh, thank you for staying up way past your bedtime um, to be on hey, there no with us. Um, so Matt and Andy, you, it's good to uh, chat with you guys. It's good to meet you. Yep, yep. Same here. So, uh, with that, we should probably wrap it up. Um, and Andy and I have not even discussed who our next episode is going to be outside of, uh, recording our Gene Simmons vault special tomorrow night. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll, I guess we'll surprise you guys next week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for now, uh, be safe and have a good week, everybody. Don't do anything Andy Brown wouldn't do. 
which thankfully gives you a lot of leeway. Yep. <laughs> Again, again. 